Hey, hey, and welcome. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, there's brand new polling out. It shows that President Trump is actually leading Joe Biden in a head-to-head matchup. According to nationalpost.com, former President Trump has overtaken his successor, Joe Biden, in popular support, according to a new poll. 51% of 1,578 registered U.S. voters considered Trump to be the better leader. 49% preferred Biden. According to a new Harvard Caps Harris poll online survey taken between September 15th and 16th, the poll could indicate that multiple crises, including a COVID resurgence and the chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan, have marked a shift in voters' perception of Biden. Since Trump lost the popular vote by five points, Trump getting 51% as a better president is actually a radical improvement from Election Day. A July Harvard Caps Harris poll saw Biden's approval rating slide from 62% to 52% in June. The latest poll showed the current president's approval rating falling below 50% to 46%. 48% of voters had a positive perception of Trump. The current president's favorability was also reduced, with 49% saying they held an unfavorable view of him compared to 47% saying they had an unfavorable view of his predecessor. So this means that Trump actually is now more popular than Biden, which is not a shock considering that Biden is a terrible president and Trump is no longer in power. Now, the fact that Trump by the way, has been out of the headlines, is of great benefit to Trump. Actually, the best thing that could happen to Trump right now is to not be in the headlines for a while and then sort of surge himself back in 2024 if he wants to run. Now, there are some polls showing that against Joe Biden, he's basically in a dead heat. There are also polls showing that Joe Biden does better against, for example, Ron DeSantis than he does against Trump. A lot of that has to do with name recognition. So there's some polling right now that shows that that, that Biden quote-unquote, dominates DeSantis in a head-to-head. This is from early September. There's an Emerson College survey. It showed Biden at 48%, 36% for DeSantis. It shows that, that Biden loses 47 to 46 to Trump in that same poll. I'm very skeptical because DeSantis is a governor. Trump is a former president. Bottom line is that you really shouldn't have any takeaway about the popularity of Republicans at this point from these polls. What you should have is a takeaway about the unpopularity of Joe Biden, who is now stuck between 46 and 48%, which is not where he needs to be. Only 60% of Democrats, apparently, according to that Emerson poll, actually want to see Biden run for re-election in 2024. 40% want another nominee. Well, the, the Republican primary voters seem to support DeSantis at this point, unless Trump is in the field. If Trump is in the field, Trump clears the field. If Trump is not in the field, then DeSantis right now is at 32%, Vice President Pence at 24%, Ted Cruz at 13%, and former Governor Nikki Haley at 10% with the rest of the field further back. So what does that mean? Well, what it means for Trump is that Trump does have a legit shot at the White House again in 2024. Does that mean that he's the best candidate? Well, if he continues to put his focus on, I would say, misallocation of time and resources, I would say not. The distractions have always been Trump's Achilles heel. And he seems not to be able to get over those. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, as you get back to work, you find yourself in front of a screen more and more. And here's the thing. The blue light from the screen, it can give you headaches. Sometimes it keeps you up at night, right? If you're watching TV, for example, right before you go to bed, this is a big mistake. Well, you still want to watch the TV, but you don't want the blue light, right? Well, why don't you just wear some Felix Grays? Five years ago, Felix Gray realized and set out to create eyewear that would improve daily screen time. Since then, Felix Grey has been on a mission to create a better relationship with technology. Felix Grey lenses filter out 15 times more of the most important blue light. Whether you're heading back to the office or back to school or back to whatever, you can count on Felix Grey. Visit felixgrayglasses.com 
slash Ben. I tend to get headaches because I'm on screens all day long. Also, I do have the sleep problems. Like if I'm staring at my computer shortly before bed, I just can't fall asleep. Unless I wear my Felix Grey glasses, it cuts down on that blue light. And that means I don't have to worry about the blue light nearly as much. They've got non-prescription and prescription available. Check them out right now at felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash Ben. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges. Felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben. So, as I've been saying, there's a new poll out. It shows that Trump and Biden are very competitive. We, we knew this from the last election cycle. It was not a blowout election cycle for Joe Biden. He did really well in terms of the general popular vote, but so did Hillary Clinton, where it actually counted in Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin. These were all very close states. And all it took for Donald Trump to win that election was about 45,000 votes shifting in those three states specifically. And Donald Trump is reelected president. The question is what Donald Trump is choosing to focus on right now as he leads up to 2024. And at this point, you got to imagine he's probably going to run because when Donald Trump is bored, this is what he does. Do I think that he would the best, be the best person to run at this point? I do not. I don't because he has high negatives. He has high name recognition. And I think it's time for something new. Typically, presidents who run for something else after being president of the United States, it's, it's almost unheard of because typically the American people are not into it. Trump could because he has a very solid base of support. In the primaries, he would do very well, obviously. But in a general election, he has high, high negatives and those high negatives have not gone away. However, it is true that Joe Biden has made a mockery of himself all of that depends on Joe Biden running for re-election. Okay, bottom line is this. Does it benefit Trump to continue to focus in on things that, that don't matter? Or does it actually cause quite a problem for him? I'm not saying that Donald Trump has to abandon all of his claims about the 2020 election for political purposes. I think he should abandon a lot of his claims about the 2020 election because I don't think they're true. But for political purposes, does it make sense for him to continue to focus in day after day on the 2020 election and the supposed unfairness therein? Probably not. On a factual basis, certainly not. Okay, the, the Arizona audits, I've gotten a lot of emails over the past few months about the Arizona audit. And my basic reaction was, I'm not covering the Arizona audit because when it comes out, when we get the final report, then we'll actually be able to tell what happened. Well, now the Arizona audit final report is out and it shows that Trump lost Arizona. In fact, he actually lost Arizona by more votes than he was originally thought to have lost Arizona by, if the audit is correct. Arizona's officials, official results say that Biden won by 10,457 votes. Trump didn't accept the loss, so the GOP state Senate launched an audit by Cyber Ninjas. That is a company that really has not done reviewing elections before, apparently. They did a, a hand recount of Maricopa County's 2.1 million ballots. Okay, and those, uh, Maricopa County's a blue county. It now finds that Biden won the state by 10,817 votes. 360 more votes. They actually found 360 more votes for Biden. There's not a lot of a reason why we should trust the Cyber Ninjas report over, for example, the original state count. But suddenly Trump is out there suggesting that this recount cuts in his favor, which it obviously does not. Right? He tweeted out that the results include, quote, 23,344 mail-in ballots, despite the person no longer living at that address. Phantom voters. But um, no. The, the Cyber Ninjas says that these errors are normal when you use commercial data. That figure came from compar comparing voting records to a commercial database on change of address filings. But most of the voter voters barely moved. 15,000 of them stayed in Maricopa County. Another 1,700 went somewhere else in Arizona. 40% were Democrats, 33% Republicans. And uh, there are a lot of ways that a voter could receive their ballot that in some cases would not violate the law. 
The audit documents exceed 100 pages. But bottom line is that this is not evidence of massive voter fraud in Arizona. It's evidence that actually Trump did worse in Arizona, if anything, than he said that he did. Nonetheless, Trump is keeping this narrative alive because he's hoping that it spurs him back to prominence. He doesn't have to, right? He doesn't have to. He, he could say very easily that the game was rigged against him by the media, which is true, right? In the, in the month leading up to the election, the media openly suppressed the Hunter Biden story, for example. The media lied repeatedly about COVID throughout the 2020 pandemic. The media lied about American policing throughout the 2020 pandemic. They, they lied about Trump for four years with regard to the Russia stuff. Right? He could easily make the claim for vindication based on that sort of stuff. All he has to do right now is say, look, they got Joe Biden elected. Joe Biden's a terrible president. You need to replace him with me. When I was president, you were happier. Joe Biden is now president. Things are worse. It's a pretty strong pitch. Instead, he's focusing in on sort of bizarre stuff. So, for example, he did a rally in Georgia, and he decided that he was going to bash Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. Why? Because Brian Kemp didn't override the state electoral results, which is absurd. Again, the evidence has not been provided that the Georgia state electoral results ought not to have been certified. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Trump went out there and not only did he bash Brian Kemp, he said he doesn't care if Stacey Abrams is elected governor of Georgia, which is insane. I'm sorry, that's just crazy. It wasn't enough that, that Trump ripping on the voting procedures in Georgia probably lost both Georgia Senate seats to the Democrats and put them in the driver's seat. Now he wants to lose the governorship of that state as well and turn the entire state blue. Like, why is this a good move? I just don't understand. Why is this good for Trump? If Georgia goes blue and Stacey Abrams is governor and then Trump runs in 2024, does he think there is a better or a worse shot of voter fraud preventing him from winning the state. Like, what exactly, what's the logic here? There is none. When Stacey Abrams says, I'm not going to concede, that's okay. No problem. Oh, she's not going to concede. She's not going to concede. Of course, having her, I think, might be better than having your existing governor, if you want to know the thing. Might, might very well be better. Everybody in the background's like, um, what? Everybody's like, uh, say, what are you talking about? Why would that be better? In what way would it be better to have a radical Democratic activist who's wrong on every issue and, according to Trump, is largely behind any sort of allegations that he is making about fraud in charge of the governor's mansion in Georgia as opposed to Brian Kemp? Like, what in the... If he wants to be president again, why is that useful? Like, it's... But again, man can't get out of his own way, as, as ever. All right, coming up, we're going to get to the latest in America's stupid racial incidents. First... We've got a different kind of sponsor for this particular episode. It's called The Jordan Harbinger Show. It's a podcast you should be listening to. I know every day somebody tells you you have to listen to some podcast or other, and you nod, and you're like, yeah, sure, and then you never listen to it. Don't let that happen here. We are fans here at The Daily Wire. Jordan's show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening even inside your own brain. Each episode is a conversation with a different fascinating guest. When I say there's something for everyone, I really mean it. In one episode, Jordan talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to like and trust you. That's useful, but also somewhat disturbing. Also, another episode tells the story of a pimp and mafia enforcer who talks about mind manipulation techniques and how he can defend against them. There are other episodes, including people like Scott Adams or Jack Schaefer or Oliver North, maybe even Dan Carlin or Kobe Bryant. I don't always agree with Jordan, but he's a sharp guy and he gives great advice. I learn a lot every time I listen. If that's not worth checking out, I'm not sure what is. We here at Daily Wire enjoy the show. We know you will too. There's a lot here. Check out jordanharbinger.com slash start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, meanwhile, 
America is consistently spending time on idiotic racial issues that really are stupid. So the latest comes courtesy of Arizona State University. So there were two white ASU students, and they were sitting in the multicultural center and studying. One of them had a computer on the back of which was a bumper sticker that said, police matter, police lives matter. And the other was wearing a, a T-shirt saying that only idiots vote for Biden. Okay, and this apparently was of great offense because the multicultural center is for multicultural leftism only. So these two white guys were confronted by a pair of students, a couple of black students, who attempt to force them to leave, saying that their mere presence is making them uncomfortable. Here's what that sounded like. You're, you're offensive. Police lives matter? You have the same sticker. We're just trying to do school. What? You guys have the same sticker as the other. But this is our space. We've got a police lives matter sticker and we're getting kicked out. Can't do school. Nobody's you, you just said we have to leave. No, I said you're making the space you said uncomfortable. Me feel uncomfortable. But you're white. Do you understand what a multicultural space? It means you're not being centered. White's not a culture? No. No, it's not a culture. White is not a culture, but but you need to leave because you're not part of our culture, but white is not a culture. White people need to leave the multicultural center. And that girl goes on to say, this white man thinks he can take up our space, and this is why we need a multicultural space, because they think they can get away with this bleep. And then another student says, this is the only space you're not centered, and you're still trying to center yourself, which is peak white cis male BS. Delightful. Apparently, the dean of students' office is going to be discussing it with all involved. Differences of opinion are part of the university experience. The university expects respectful dialogue between students in all engagements, is what the university has said. So this is uh, a, a ridiculous incident, of course. This has not stopped all of the multicultural groups at ASU from condemning the two white students for the temerity to sit in a multicultural space wearing gear that is not of approved political conduct, offending people, apparently. That's, that's, that's very bad. So that is one dumb racial conflict of the day. And of course, these two students, uh, the, the white students, did nothing wrong. They're allowed to sit wherever they want, wearing shirts that say whatever they want because this is a publicly funded university. Okay, beyond that, there, th this is the second stupid racial conflict of the day. So there is a man named Frederick Joseph. He is a racial activist, which is always great for the country. Racial activists have done such enormous good over the past couple of years in the United States. And he took a tape of a white woman. And this white woman is apparently extremely bad very so bad that she needed to be fired from her job. Here's what this video sounded like. Stay in our hood? No, yeah, no, 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 no. I invite everyone. Stay in our hood. Stay in our hood. That's it. I'm sorry. What? Stay in our hood. Stay in our hood. You just told us. Stay in our hood. You just told us to leave the dog park and stay in our hood. Oh my god! Did you just say that's me? Wow. Oh, that's funny. Wow. The Karen is in the white. There's, I'm sorry. You were right here. Watch this entire thing. Did she just not stand here and tell us to stay in our hood? She did. Okay. So then they, they appeal. So apparently this is a black activist and he confronts a white woman at the dog park. Something happened. We have no idea what. She said something. We have no idea what. They appeal to a local guy who's sitting there drinking a beer in the park at night as to whether she said that they need to, quote unquote, go back or stay in our hood. He then contacts this guy, this this. He's not the good guy here, but this Frederick Joseph guy, he contacts the woman's employer. He tracks her down on the internet. He finds her employer and he gets her fired. Derek Anderson is the head of a company called Bevy HQ, which frankly, Bevy is a virtual conference and community events software platform. 
He tweeted out, Bevy HQ has zero tolerance for discriminatory behavior of any kind. Yesterday, an employee engaged in behavior contrary to our values and has been terminated. We apologize deeply to all involved. To also, now we're getting people fired. And Anderson said, I personally hope some type of resolution can happen between the two parties beyond this and will help if I can. Okay, then, so Joseph, this racial activist, Frederick Joseph, he tweeted out the video. He asked for this woman's identity and he tagged Anderson on Twitter to try and uh, to try and go after this woman. And then he got her fired. Here he was talking about all the massive good he had done. So I was just told um, that Bevy has terminated Emma Sarley after her racist attack against my fiance and I in the dog park. And while it's unfortunate um, that she had to lose her job, um, I do think that this brings up an important conversation about uh, accountability, um, especially in a country where um, black and brown people, uh, marginalized people as a whole, have seen so little of it um, oftentimes, right? Um, you know, having to bear the burden of racism, sexism, homophobia, et cetera, um, I think that it's important that people know that there are consequences uh, for their actions. Okay, so in other words, she made a comment to you that you didn't like in a non-work scenario, not working for her company. You got her fired from her job and you're the good person who saved the country? You're the good guy? Again, we have no idea what happened. We don't have Emma Sarley's side of the story. We have no clue what precipitated all of this. We don't even know what she said. We just have your accounts of what she said and the witness of a guy carrying a beer openly in a park at night, which is always good luck. So I don't know what happened. You don't know what happened. No one knows what happened. All we have is this out-of-context video. A woman loses her job because our corporate paymasters are idiots who refuse to say, can we see some evidence that something really bad happened here? Or are we just supposed to take everybody at the word of the people who are taking the video at, for, for a certain time? I remember we had a situation that was very much like this with the Central Park dog walking situation in which a woman was pretty obviously, she had her dog threatened and then she called the cops on somebody. And because the guy was black, the idea was that this was a vicious female racist, white female Karen racist. She lost her job. She was harassed online. She had her life basically ruined by all of this. So this but don't worry, America is such a racist country that if you say something that is perceived as racist, or even if somebody accuses you of saying something that could have been perceived as racist, you will lose your job because this is a racist country, you see. Absurdity piled on top of absurdity, making life worse, one of these incidents at a time. Alrighty, coming up, We'll get to the Democrats and their radicalism on abortion. Things are indeed quite radical. The Democrats have now passed the most radical federal abortion bill in American history. We'll get to that in a second. First, are your credit card bills keeping you up at night? You got those interest rates in the double digits, do you? That's a real problem. You need to consolidate your credit card debt right now, or you're going to find yourself behind the eight ball, maybe for life. Be smart. Pay off your credit card balances with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Rates start at 4.98% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Plus, the rate is fixed. It's not going to go up over the life of the loan. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000. There are absolutely no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. That's exactly what they deliver. Just for my listeners, you can apply right now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get that discount is to go to lightstream.com Shapiro. 
L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Shapiro. That's lightstream.com slash Shapiro. Subject to credit approval rates range from 4.98% APR to 19.99% APR and include a 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply. Offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Shapiro for more information. That is lightstream.com slash Shapiro to get started. So it may have escaped your attention that the Democrats are the true radicals on abortion. While they spend all of their time bloviating over the evils of Texas's abortion law, which again, Texas is a state. If you don't wish to live there, you don't have to live there. Also, if you wish to get an abortion, you can leave Texas and get an abortion. Right? There, there's a lot of ways you can get an abortion, even if you are living in Texas, you know, putting aside the innate evil of the act itself. Yeah, but Democrats would love to federalize Roe v. Wade. By the way, not just federalize Roe v. Wade. Right? Roe v. Wade allows for state-level abortion restrictions past the second trimester. There are plenty of federal restrictions, actually. On, on abortion, including partial birth abortion bans have been passed in the past. So Democrats passed 218 to 1, the most radical abortion bill in the history of the United States in the House. It's going nowhere in the Senate, thank God. Henry Olson writes about this for the Washington Post. He says, quote, radical is a loaded word, but that's exactly what this measure is. It bans any regulation of abortion services before fetal viability that is more burdensome than restrictions imposed on medically comparable procedures. Okay, so you're not allowed to regulate any abortion before fetal viability. Okay, and fetal viability could be, according to the Democrats, up to 21, 22 weeks. So no abortion restrictions up to 21, 22 weeks. This would strike down commonly adopted measures in states, such as the requirement that women wait 24 hours to have an abortion after an initial consultation, or that physicians who perform abortions must be admitted to practice medicine at a local hospital. It would also eliminate bans on sex-specific abortions. So like when a woman wants to kill the baby because the baby's a girl. Abortion would essentially become legal for any reason at any time before fetal viability, which comes at roughly between the 22nd and 24th weeks of pregnancy. That is six months. By the way, if you've never seen a baby in the womb at five months via ultrasound, uh, let me just tell you, that's a baby. That is a full-on baby. This would be radical on its own, says Henry Olson. Few nations permit abortion after the first trimester. According to the Pro-Abortion Rights Center for Reproductive Rights, most European countries permit abortion up until about the 14th week of pregnancy. Many countries have regulations that affect the availability of the procedure, like parental notification requirements. In fact, the United States is one of only seven countries in the world that allow elective abortions after the 20th week. The bill's explicit requirements for states to allow post-viability abortions pushes the boundaries even further. Under the provisions the Democrats passed, a woman with a viable fetus, we're talking like eight months, could still obtain an abortion if her abortion services provider determines that, quote, continuation of the pregnancy would pose a risk to the pregnant patient's life or health. Or health, okay? We're not talking about some woman has preeclampsia and she is going to die if she bears the child. First of all, medicine, thank God, is now so advanced that the number of women who actively have to abort a baby simply to save their lives is incredibly, incredibly low. The reason being that very often you can take the baby out and save the woman's life. Okay, but... Putting, putting even that aside, the provision does not require the risk to even be to the patient's life. The risk doesn't have to be serious or substantial. It doesn't distinguish between a woman's mental or physical health. So if a woman says, you know, I'm really stressed out and having severe anxiety over having this kid, you're a week before the baby's born, you can still kill it. The bill does not even require the abortion provider to attempt to save the viable child's life. Says Henry Olson, it's worth considering what characteristics the unborn child has during the periods when this bill authorizes its termination. The child has all of its internal organs by the end of the first trimester. By the 16th week, it can suck its thumb. By the 20th week, the child has hair. By the 24th week, it can open its eyes. It has fingerprints. It can hiccup. 
At this point, it's tiny, but so is the 1.5-inch long slender claw, slender claw crayfish, which is a legally protected species. Indeed, the unborn child is nearly a foot long by the end of the second trimester. The bill gives greater legal protection to small animals than to small humans. By the seventh month, the baby responds to pain and light. Abortions at this stage usually involve induced labor or dilation and evacuation. These practices are inhumane and they're opposed by a large majority of Americans. Democrats passed this thing 218 to 1. 218 to 1. Even supposedly pro-choice voices in the Senate, like Senator Susan Collins of Maine and, and Joe Manchin and Robert Casey of Pennsylvania, uh, they are not really fans of the bill. So it's going nowhere. But the fact that they, they couldn't find like two Democrats to vote against this demonstrates that the supposed broad tent that Democrats represent is not broad at all. The Democratic Party is very, very narrow at this point. And the narrower it becomes, the easier it is for Republicans to reach into that moderate group and pluck out voters if they are smart. Right? They, don't, they don't have to go very far to point out how radical the Democratic policy prescriptions have become, how out of touch they are with mainstream America. Again, they're trying to cram this down on the states. Okay? This is not California or New York. This is California and New York trying to make California and New York the law of Texas. Texas has its own abortion law. Texas is a state. California has its own abortion law. California is a state. When you try to federalize this stuff all the way up to the top level and then basically pass abortion until birth statistics, uh, bills, legislation, what you're really trying to do is turn Texas into California. The more of this the Democrats try, the more resistance there is going to be at the state level as well there should be. Already coming up, we're going to be joined by Mark Hemingway from Real Clear Investigations to talk about his brand new piece, Why Are the Media So Unconcerned About Journalists Being Beaten Up by Antifa? First, why would you want to go to the auto parts store? Like, there's really no reason. And things are getting nice outside. The weather is cooling down a little bit. You want to be outside with your family. You don't want to be spending time in an auto parts store, but you need the auto part because your car is not working properly. Well, why don't you just go to the internet like you do with everything else? RockAuto.com. It's much easier than walking into a store and someone's demanding quick answers to things like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And then they usually just have to order the part online anyway because there are so many types of cars, it's impossible to keep them all stocked. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Furthermore, prices at RockAuto.com are always the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. But at RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Head on over to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us, Boxes? So they know that we sent you. Joining us on the line is Mark Hemingway. He reports on key institutions shaping American public life from lobbying groups to federal agencies to elections for Real Clear Investigations. He has a brand new article over at Real Clear Investigations talking about the shocking lack of interest in Antifa's anti-journalist activity. Mark, thanks so much for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. So let's talk about the fact that all across the United States, Antifa basically just beats down journalists it doesn't like, and nobody in the media seems to care about this. So it, it is fascinating how the media are deeply concerned about the attacks on freedom of the press, but not really all that concerned when it comes to who is doing the attacking so long as the attackers are, are purportedly left wing. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I, I mean, I think this is a continuation of uh, a lot of different things. I mean, it started last year, obviously, where actually one of the journalists I talked to who covers Antifa in Portland regularly, she's, she's on the left. And she said there was very definitely this um, feeling that you couldn't say anything bad that was going on about the street protests 
because that was somehow pro-Trump and that you would get attacked for that personally, even if you were just pointing out that, hey, there are people running around, you know, smashing in the windows of small businesses. Um, you know, what does that have to do with, you know, all these other big national problems? Um, and I think that attitude is still, you know, been carrying over today. You know, Mark, one of the things that's really amazing is that we've seen journalists just being beaten up and, and very often the media will just turn on the journalists themselves. So Andy No has become a villain for many members of the media yeah. because he's been going to these rallies with Antifa and they literally target him. I mean, they tried to kill him. They've beaten the hell out of him several times. He got a concussion at one point. They've, the, these activists have tried to go to his activists is, is, is putting it too kindly. They've tried to go to bookstores, have his book removed. They're basically engaged in book burning. And the media have said that Andy No is the bad guy here. Why do you think it is that the media are so willing to overlook predations against member of their own profession? I think it you know goes back to what we were talking about. I mean, I think that they think that um, any sort of criticism of you know any protest movements on the left is somehow going to be discrediting to like national Democrats. It's going to erode their you know their ability to determine who wins elections in, in the press. Um, you know, in the case of Andy No, I mean, you know, he's ended up in the hospital with a brain hemorrhage, you know, from, you know, attacks that have been, you know, captured on camera. And, and more than that, you know, the thing about Antifa that the press keep overlooking, they have an ideology. I mean, it's like out in the open. They are explicitly against the press. They say as much. They have tactics where they, they try and marginalize the press from covering what they're doing. And they, they feed their own propaganda to the mainstream media. Um, and Andy Ngo is a big problem for that. They, they can't get their own propaganda narrative out there if any go is around dressed head to toe black beating people up and then you know burning businesses on the ground. Now, Mark, it obviously was not relegated to Antifa, the media's willingness to countenance violence, depending on who is doing the violence. All of last year, the idea was the journalists were under some sort of deep existential threat from the Trump administration. You had Jim Acosta every day. Who, and, and ladies, again, find you a man who loves you like Jim Acosta loves Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta <laughs> spent like every single day on, on the TV berating some Trump apparatchik while proclaiming that he himself was being victimized as a member of the press. Meanwhile, members of the press were being overtly targeted by Black Lives Matter rioters all over the country. And the media basically soft-pedaled this stuff. I mean, there are these famous graphics of people standing in front of burning buildings saying that the protests were fiery but mostly peaceful. Right. Well, you know, part of what's going on here is the people that are willing to cover Antifa, they aren't your standard, you know, you know, corporate press, you know, flunkies that, 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 you know, belong to legacy news organizations. The people that are actually out there in the streets covering Antifa, they tend to be either people that work for publications that are on the right, or they tend to be people like Andy Ngo, who are, you know, um, independent journalists that, you know, do a lot of their own reporting and, you know, will use social media and other things to promote the work that they're doing. So part of what's going on here is that the people that are covering Antifa, they're not just like showing up the regular, you know, corporate media by, you know, showing how they're ignoring this very important story. Um, it's, it's that the, the media that want to, you know, be, remain gatekeepers so that they, they both want to control the political narratives and they don't want to be in a position where they're hum embarrassed and humiliated by people running around, you know, by one person running around with a cell phone and showing how the New York Times has been getting the story right. Um, and that's just one thing that, that they, they just can't, can't wrap their heads around with, with this Antifa story for sure. So, Mark, you know, what exactly should the, the right wing media ecosystem be doing about all of this? Because one of the big problems here is that if you print Andy, you know, we have here at Daily Wire, but we've talked to Andy many, many times. We've talked about Antifa. You find yourself in the crosshairs of social media companies that actually suppress your traffic in many cases. Facebook recently released their list of criteria that they use for suppressing stories and for denting their reach. 
And that list basically is just a list of things that are directed at conservatives. Uh, they, they recently put out their, their standards, and those standards include being fact-checked. If you're fact-checked by factcheck.org or the Pointer Institute or, or Snopes, uh, then, then you are likely to be dinged. Meanwhile, these mainstream outlets that overtly cover places like Antifa and BLM are treated as favored news sources. It's making it harder and harder to get actual reporting out there. Yeah, that is a really frightening uh, um, thing that's happening. And, and I, you know, I, I don't have any particularly good solutions to this, but I mean, I do think that people need to like wake up. Um, you know, when, when, a, when an independent fact checker that works for Facebook or whatever they, they say it is, um, you know, um, when they enter a link into the back end of their, their Facebook, um, um, they, you know, Facebook is capable of killing 80% of the global internet traffic to a story that some, you know, random, you know, 23-year-old fact checker decided was quote-unquote false, regardless of whether they understand the policy, regardless of whether they understand how important it is. And I do think that, you know, like I said, you know, part of what's going on here is that the only people that are reporting honestly in Antifa are the people that are running around with a cell phone, they're independent journalists, the people who work for right-wing right-leaning publications. Um, and there's going to be tremendous pressure to make sure that these people don't get the truth out there about like what is going on at the ground level with, you know, these left-wing protest movements. I mean, you know, this is not uh, something that, you know, we can take lightly. Um, you know, as I point out in the article, you know, all that rhetoric about mostly peaceful protests, um, you know, David Kilcullen, who was a senior advisor to Petraeus and one of the architects that serves in Iraq, you know, pointed out in an article last year that what was going on actually was nothing less than a domestic insurgency like the kind you saw in Iraq. I mean, even in Iraq, when they were fighting the surge, there was only like two to five percent of the individuals in, in Iraq were involved in any sort of insurgency. Well, if you've got mass protests erupting in violence across the country, if only seven or 10 percent of them are erupting in violence, that's not mostly peaceful. That, that's an insurgency. Um, and there, there we have a real problem with violent left-wing um, street violence, and, and we need to take it seriously. And it demands the kind of you know, serious coverage that you know, <laughs> widespread violence you know, should get. We're speaking with Mark Hemingway of Real Clear Investigations. So I, I also noticed, Mark, that you have been covering uh, the situation over at, at Border Patrol, as long as we're speaking about media accuracy. Uh, it is amazing to me to, to watch the entire media repeat an overt lie. I mean, it was just a lie. The Border Patrol was whipping people. There, there is no evidence whatsoever that Border Patrol was whipping people. Uh, they were pretty obviously using their reins to steer their horses, as they very often do, because that is what literally reins are for. Uh, and yet the entire media ran with that lie. The Biden administration repeated the lie. Mayorka said it. Harris said it. Biden said it. They all suggested that Border Patrol was to blame here. The fact checkers had nothing to say about any of this. The media was completely not only asleep at the switch, they were just wrong on it. They've all now had to issue corrections admitting that they were dead wrong on it. What does this say about media accuracy on, on sort of the same page? Well, again, uh, media fact checkers, this is something I've written about a lot. Um, they are not in the business of, quote unquote, checking facts. I mean, you know, occasionally once in a while, a politician utters something that's, you know, brazenly untrue and you can, you know, just definitively, you know, debunk it and get in and out with a quick fact check. But by and large, if you look at, you know, what, an, what, what, what passes for muster or your typical PolitiFact column or factcheck.org column, what goes on is, is it's all about controlling the narrative. They take some sort of, you know, statement that is very often purely rhetorical by a politician and then try and, you know, say that this was some egregious transgression uh, that, that, you know, how dare a politician in, in make an argument in public and, you know, present it as some sort of dishonest or literally deceptive thing. Um, and the Reigns thing is a classic example of that, uh, of how it works in sort of the other direction. That was a convenient way for the Biden administration and, you know, the, the state media at the New York Times 
to take a very serious situation at the border. We have 12,000 Haitians amassed along the border and um, distract from the actual crisis and make it about something else. Yeah, the New York Times eventually ran a correction days later, but by then we'd gotten through several news cycles and the media had found enough you know, stories to move on and pretend like they, they didn't have to cover it anymore. Whereas, you know, if, if, you know, they were inundated with pictures at the time and, you know, they just can't spin away something that's, that's that bad with, you know, uh, pictures of people encamped at the border. Mark Hemingway, Real Clear Investigations, doing terrific work over there. Go check out his latest report over the media's complete willingness to overlook the beatings of journalists, depending on who is doing the beating. Mark, really appreciate the time. Thank you. Mark Hemingway, fascinating guy. Well, now we're joined online by Kyle Mills. He's the New York Times bestselling author of 21 books, including six of the previous Mitch Rapp novels, The Survivor, Order to Kill, Enemy of the State, Red War, Lethal Agent, and last year's number one New York Times bestseller, Total Power. Kyle, thanks so much for joining the program. Great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. So, Kyle, why don't we start with this? You know, obviously, uh, you took over the Vince Flynn series. Vince was a, a terrific writer, uh, and uh, we used to have him on the show fairly regularly. So what is it like writing the Mitch Rapp novels? It's been an incredible challenge, and uh, it's worked out really well. The fans, you know, they loved Vince, and they loved this character, and they wanted to see it carried on. So uh, it's been terrific. Uh, everybody's really been behind it. So let's talk about the new novel. Obviously, uh, Mitch Rapp is is the recurring character who's at the heart of Vince Flynn's series. And um, he is, uh, in this particular book, he is confronting a, a different kind of president. All of these books are kind of taken straight from the headlines. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this one? Yeah, I always like throwing uh, new challenges at Mitch to see how he reacts. And throughout the entire series, he's always had presidents that he's worked for who admired him and liked him. And now we have a new president who really dislikes and distrusts him. So it's a little bit about his, pers- his personal uh, relationship with this president and the things that are going on in the United States and the divisions in the United States, and that it's not always an external threat. One of the things that comes up in the book is, is again, a lot of this is ripped from the headlines. Uh, the, the notion of, of one of the villains being a mole who is using CIA information to go after one of the, the big trillionaires, the, the, the world's first trillionaire in the book. A lot of this stuff is ripped from the headlines, obviously, we've had serious and significant problems with people inside government using the power of government in order to dig up, for example, tax returns, going after people's personal information. Where do you get the ideas for this sort of stuff? Yeah, I mean, it, it is very much uh, researching things and always trying to think what's around the next corner. And I've had kind of a good run here. I, uh, you know, I, I wrote a book about the coronavirus right before that and a book about a power outage right before the one in Texas. So it's just a, this, a little bit of guesswork as here's what's happening now and how is that going to play out, you know, going forward. Well, everybody should go pick up a copy of Enemy at the Gates. Again, the book is the new Mitch Rapp novel from the Vince Flynn series. The author is Kyle Mills. Kyle, really appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. All righty. We'll be back here tomorrow with much, much more, particularly Bjorn Lomberg will be stopping by to talk about all of the climate change activism we are currently seeing in the media, how much of it is false. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 